Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is a mental health coach and energy healer. If you are stressed out, feeling stuck, you want to move forward, you want to discover what is blocking your energy, then this is the episode you want to listen to. Welcome to the podcast, Carmen Margaziotis. Hi, Leo. What's up? What's <laughs> up, girl? We talking like we weren't just talking before the episode. <laughs> how you feeling? I feel really good. I'm so happy to be here and connect with you and see how you're doing and what's going on. I, I feel like everything's going on and nothing is going on, right? It's same. <laughs> I'm like, it's it's it looks, it feels the same, but it just looks different, is all it is. Yes. A thousand percent. A thousand. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about stress, getting unstuck, moving forward. Uh, What do you find in your practice currently is stressing people out the most? Self-doubt. It's people are chronically doubting themselves. And they don't realize or don't trust that they have the power and the capacity and the capability to find all their own answers within themselves, or at least find their own direction that will point them towards the answers that they're looking for. And so they often come in and they're just in a state of self-doubt. You said find the answers within themselves. Mm -hmm. How do you I feel like part of that is we're so plugged into social media, podcasts, audiobooks. Like we're always listening to something, watching something, and that's energy output. Yeah. And so it makes it much more challenging to look within when, you know, even if we're not, you know, putting our energy into social media, it's family, work, all these other obligations. How do we look within? What what does that look like? So what I have found is really that it's just about getting quiet. Like you just said, there's so much noise and busyness and constant input that if we could just create a moment of quiet, like our insides, our intuition is there waiting to be heard. We just have to create the space for it. So it, it sounds like fundamentally for most people, the stress is rooted in not creating the space for quiet or maybe even the inabilities. I mean, I, I would, I'm assuming some people may live in some type of chaotic situation where finding quiet, you know, you're in a, a, a studio apartment with seven siblings and two families, right? Completely. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many sessions I do with people where they're in their car because that's the only place where there's a moment of quiet. I was just eating lunch in my car today. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And sometimes that's the most amazing space. You can listen to whatever you want. You're just by yourself in your little cocoon. The car is amazing. We do have this. So I had somebody else on the podcast. We were talking about cocooning 
and how mm-hmm. sometimes when there's a traumatic event, um, animals will seek refuge in some type mm-hmm. of cocoon or cave or, you know, they'll just curl up in a fetal position. Besides the car, is there another way that we could healthily cocoon ourselves? I mean, like you said, it's tough when you're in an environment where there are lots of people. But I love, I mean, before this, we were just talking about going for a walk. I think being outside in nature is a beautiful cocoon. And sometimes it's easier to be, even though we're surrounded by people, we don't necessarily need to engage or don't feel the need to engage. So sometimes being in a place where you're just outside on the street can feel like quiet time because you aren't being forced to engage, you know, with your kids, with your spouse, with your coworkers. That, that absolutely makes sense. I, I, there's a lot of research talking about the third space, meaning mm. that the home is one space. It could be your first space. Your second space is usually work. And that third space is the space where you don't feel responsibility for it. Like you're just allowed to be. No one is asking you for anything. There are no obligations. And unfortunately for a lot of people, that's a bar or a club or, you know, you might find yourself hanging out with people that you really don't want to hang out with. But it's you feel like it's your only option as a third space, a space where you can engage, um, but not a lot is being asked of you. Right. There is a sense of freedom there. And I mean, for me, it's funny. People always make fun of me because I'm a big Disneyland person. And one of the reasons I love going to Disneyland is because I can sort of be in the thick of things and surrounded by people. But I do feel a complete sense of peace there because no one is forcing me to interact. I just get to like wander at my own pace. I get to have snacks and, you know, do some fun things, but it feels really peaceful to me there. And you'd be amazed at how many creative ideas I get when I go there. Um, and how many opportunities flood in while I'm there, because I think I'm creating a lot of freedom in my mind. And when I come back, there's people who want appointments, there's, you know, you know, different opportunities in my email when I come back after a day like that. Let me ask you this, that Mm -hmm. that brings to mind, I was just chewing on this earlier, this idea of wanting a reward. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like we work hard, we go, you know, I crushed it at work. I, I I went to the gym, I worked out, I ate my salad. And so now I deserve a reward. I want a reward. And I, and I wonder how much do we really want the reward or do we want a release? And it mm. sounds like going to Disneyland <laughs> is a release, right? Yeah. yeah I, see you, I, I see the look on your face. Like you, it, it resonates with you. Share with me what's happening for you. Absolutely. Because I, I personally have tried to let go of the idea of being rewarded because I have a belief that I am worthy of anything I want when I want period. I don't need to like prove myself in order to get it. 
And I think this idea of release is so resonant. Like we do need to blow off steam. We do need to process emotions and the day and everything else. And when we can put ourselves in a space where we can actually do that, you know, maybe for me, it's Disneyland. Maybe it's also meditation. Um, then I'm creating a little bit more space for myself and for another day and whatever that day brings. And I think that that is critical to mental well-being. I mean, it's one of the reasons. So one of the things I'm into as a practice is our moon ceremonies, you know, just being in cycles with the moon, the new moon and the full moon. And that is a monthly practice for me of letting go during the full moon. And I do believe that that creates a lot of space for me, a lot of release to, you know, have mental room for the things I want and make space for myself. You mentioned Disneyland as being a <laughs> a, a place where you can make space, which on yeah. paper to me sounds like the opposite. I think about the cost, the travel, the crowd, the heat, the, yeah, the, the, all the, the snacks lines. that out the lines and all of that, but also understand what you're saying. I get the other side of like, it's such a, a sensory overload that it allows us on some level to unload. When I was in college, I used to go to bars to study because wow. I needed the chaos and the, the sensory input to help calm me. But that was, it depends on, it depended on what type of studying I was doing. If I was trying to learn something, I needed quiet. But right. if I wanted to memorize something, then I needed chaos and noise around. That's fascinating. And I think it's so like, I get, I have friends who think I'm crazy that I actually enjoy going to Disneyland, but I think it's such an important piece for each of us to know that about ourselves, just like you said, I know if I were trying to learn something, that is obviously not the place I would go to do that. Um, but when I want to feel free and feel simple and, you know, have some fun, which I think is a really powerful emotion to live in, then I know what I need to do for that. What else is there? Are there other moments where you discover the flooding in of ideas and space? Like how else are you creating space in your life? And what are some of the ways that your clients have created space? You know, what, what are some creative, mm -hmm. because, you know, my listeners are in Germany, they're in Switzerland, they're all over the world. And, mm -hmm. and some people who are here financially, Disneyland is not going to be completely. That's, it's, I, it's not the way for everyone. <laughs> right. So we talked about but walking I, and Disneyland. Mm -hmm. um, I really think one of the best practices to create space in our brains. And I think even, especially when we feel tired, tired is often a clue. It's not just that we haven't gotten enough sleep, but it can mean that we are burdened emotionally, that we haven't processed our emotions fully. And one thing I find that is really helpful with clients is that finding ways to process and clear emotions 
almost immediately they'll be flooded with energy and clarity. Um, and it's, it can be so simple just to clear an emotion that you or just being aware of something that you didn't know was there and you process it will bring liveliness, vitality to yourself and clarity and create space for that creativity. I've experienced that. I remember being on a cruise ship and Mm -hmm. I was performing and this kid said something that really bothered me. And, you know, even after the show, I went to bed that night, I woke up and it was still on my mind. And so I sat down and I journaled like for three pages. I just like freestyle wrote. And then it came up as to why specifically it bothered me. And mm-hmm. then I, once I understood why it bothered me, and then I understood his perspective of why he said what he said, I had an immense, I felt peace, serenity. I felt light, buoyant. I, I almost skipped out of there. So what you're saying is true. So when we talk about, um, you know, processing our emotions, besides journaling, what are some mm-hmm ways that you have found for yourself and through your clients, uh, that they've been able to process the emotion? Um, I find that there are many different ways. I mean, it is one of the things I do in my practice is intuitively being able to identify the emotion that's blocking people. And then we talk through it and then we can do breathing techniques to clear it. So I think breath work is a great tool. I think um, EFT, emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping, is an amazing tool. Um, Hypnosis is a great tool. So those are a few different ways. I I love writing. Free writing is an amazing way to be able to understand and process. When you talk about the breath work, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like four by four, four, three, two, five by five. What breath work do you subscribe to? What t- what kind of like what would that look like? So I meant like a breath work where someone leads you through uh maybe like a holotropic breath work session uh is one way. I'm not oh, it's well, you usually have to like break something that down. That, You're yeah. using words holotropic, help me out here. <laughs> it's just it's a style of that is guided by a practitioner and they lead you through a specific breathing. I'm not the practitioner, so I can't like tell you exactly what they're doing, but it's something that is guided by another person. Um, and it's usually like in a longer session that can take like 30 minutes to an hour. So the, the breath work typically guided, but it really, it's just a, a question of connecting to your breath. And I know that there are apps for that. Um, Yes. This is, I mean, this is a very specific type that can make you feel very insightful and it's a, it can be a big release. But I think also I like, um, Winhoff breathing. He has some breathing stuff on his website and YouTube stuff that I find to be very helpful as well. But I think part of the key of maybe like one of the things that I do in my practice when I'm working with someone one-on-one with the breath work is that we're thinking about the thing that causes us stress. So it's not almost breathing to relax. It's breathing 
intentionally with the stressor in your mind. So you're simultaneously sending the message to your body that this thing I'm thinking about doesn't need to be stressful because when I'm breathing a certain way, it sends the message to my body that it's safe and that it's not in danger. So you're kind of connecting this thing that almost feels dangerous in your mind to a physical practice that is calming. And when those two things come together, then it's almost like it it turns the volume down of the thing that was stressing you out. And that's when insight happens, when you can start to access your inner wisdom and you start to feel that lightness that you were talking about, that buoyancy. Yeah, I love that. It How to turn the volume down on what's stressing us out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and it sounds like what EMDR is mm-hmm. teaching, what tapping does. And, and, and I think just to clear it up, because basically when we are stressed, our breathing becomes shallow, our cortisol yes. levels raise, we, you know, we go into this fight or flight, we get this tunnel vision and what, and then it, it kind of, every time we think about it, our body responds the same. So what we're talking about is changing the body's response to the same stimuli so that when it comes up again, we don't have the same response. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, that we can have the same thought, but not have the same response. You nailed it. Yep. That's exactly, exactly correct. You know, we we also talk about blockage, right? Like Mm -hmm. people have these emotional blockages and and when I think about it is, you know, you can have a block because there's um, an obstacle ahead. Like I think about traffic, right? There's an obstacle mm-hmm. ahead or maybe the nar- the lane is too narrow that can cause a blockage or there's mm-hmm. too much coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just, you're overwhelmed. There's too much on your plate. So that can create a blockage. How do you help people discover where, what the source of the blockage is? Is it the lane is too narrow, like you don't have enough uh, resources to cope with what's coming in, or is too much coming in too fast, mm-hmm. or is there an obstacle that feels insurmountable up ahead? And that's just how I'm visualizing it, but is there, does that resonate with you? I think it, so what I have found, is it pretty much like almost 100% of the time there is some unidentified emotion that is present. And the the moment, it's like a lack of awareness. So the blockage isn't really a a blockage. It's a lack of awareness of something. And the moment you can identify it, the moment you see it, then the stress response goes down and you have access to this part of you that can actually figure out how to like work around the obstacle. I absolutely love that, right? Because otherwise we're just kind of in this go, 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 and we don't know what we're going towards or what we're running from or 
you know, when people say they've lost their way, uh, I think that it sounds on some level like they've lost their connection, their emotional connection to what's driving them, to what their purpose is, to uh, why they care so much about what they're doing, or even recognize that maybe they've reached a point where they don't care about what they're doing. Maybe it's, um, you know, they, they need to pivot or go in a different direction. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we try to hold on to things because we've been holding on to it, not because we really want it or need it anymore. Right. And I find that that's, I mean, it's really the reason why I focus on intuition so much and emotions and thoughts. Cause I think those having awareness and understanding of those three things, they're all an orientation. So in, when you're really connected to your intuition, it orients you to where you want to go to your purpose, to your why. And when you are your emotions, they also orient you to what's working for you and what's not working for you. And your thoughts show you why you're pointing in that specific emotional direction, why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So I think when you can really tune in to those three things and have awareness of them, then you can find yourself again. Mm. Finding yourself, that, that's an interesting, the, what comes to mind is this idea that our self is always changing, our needs and wants are always evolving. So mm -hmm. is it about finding where we are right now in this moment? When you say finding yourself? Yes, it is about finding, because we spend so much time in the past and in the future. It really is about finding ourselves in this moment when we can be fully present in our bodies and our minds in this moment, then things get a lot more clear. What What's a question people can ask themselves or a string of questions to kind of help them get more clear in the moment? I think a first question is, what am I feeling? If that's because sometimes that's hard. People, you don't know what you're feeling. You might be feeling like 10 things all at once. So one thing that I find really, really helpful is to ask yourself where you feel it in your body. Because the body never lies. The body has like all the clues. So if you can then find the sensation in your body. When you're angry, you feel it in your body. When you're sad, you feel it in your body. And if you can find it in your body, then I have people go into their body, like bring all their awareness to that space where they feel it, and then ask it again. What am I feeling? Or what does this feeling need? And oftentimes, just that little, again, with the quiet space, if you can get quiet enough, to just go into your body and ask that question, you will find a tremendous amount of clarity. Something will come inevitably. If you ask a question of your brain, um, I always say it's like a detective. It wants to like ask, answer all the questions. So when you ask a really good question, an answer will present itself. So what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Where do I feel it in my body? 
And then I'm asking myself again, what am I feeling? And then ask when you find the sensation in your body, bring all your awareness to that sensation and ask it, what does it need? Mm. And is the, is the first need usually, you know, cause I've read about needs and it's like, we have a need to be seen, heard, or understood. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when people respond to that, what are they usually responding with in terms of their needs? Well, I think I find that it's different. Like I always come to this example where one day, like my husband was, you know, he's preoccupied and I was coming to him, um, because like I wanted to like vent about something, but he wasn't really emotionally available. So then normally that could have turned into like some sort of fight, like you don't listen to me, like, you know, that sort of thing. But instead I took the moment to go into my room and be quiet and find the feeling in my body. And I went in and brought awareness there. And I said, what do you need? And immediately it popped in comfort. What I needed in that moment was comfort. I was seeking comfort. And when he wasn't available to give it to me and I was able to understand what I needed, then I was able to give it to myself. So I said, how can I give myself comfort right now? And I don't remember what I did. I probably like crawled in bed and like watched an episode of something, right? Um, But just that moment of quiet and being able to get into my body and ask it what it needed, it was right there, Leo. It was so clear. And then I could give it to myself. And then I felt better. At that moment, do you go back and talk to your husband about the process? Do you say, hey, when I came to you earlier, I, you know, was seeking comfort. And then, you know, I found it seemed like you weren't available. So I found a way to comfort myself. Um, And. But as a way of. Letting him in on what you need so that in the future he may be able to provide that for you. And the reason why I'm asking is, you know, me and my girl have been together for four years and it can be such a cognitive load at times mm-hmm. to try to figure out what she needs from me in a moment. If I'm already, uh, you know, on task with something else. And so if I have a better awareness as to what she needs, I may indeed have the space to provide it for her in that moment. But if I'm, if, but if she's never letting me in on what her need was, then I'm, I'm never going to learn how to be aware of that and then be able to provide that in some way. And not that I should always be the one, but to close that gap of, uh, you know, just to have more awareness as to, Oh, you know, because when you're coming in the vent, it can feel like such a big thing. It's like, oh my right. God, I have to have the answer. I got to fix this thing. But if I learn over time that she's just seeking comfort, I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I, I know what my baby needs. I got her. Totally. I think that that's such a, it's so important to be able to communicate to your partner why you're showing up the way you're showing up and how they can best support you. So there are times where 
um, I will go to my husband and say, okay, I'm going to tell you a thing. And the kind of response I need is this. And I will tell him basically, you know, what very clearly and specifically what I need from him. And that goes amazingly well. You might think like, well, he should just know, or I want him to, you know, just be himself or whatever. But the truth is, I need something specific. And if he's available to do that for me, that can be really powerful and healing in that moment. What's a way that you would have wanted your husband to provide comfort for you in that moment, if it's something that you can share? Um, it was a while ago, but I think what I really needed in that moment was like the not fixing and just like being like, yeah, that sucks. You know, just like, <laughs> just totally being on my side and not trying to see it from another position or be logical about it. Like, I think in that moment, I just needed a someone to be in the suckiness of the moment with me. I love that. To be in a suckiness of the moment. <laughs> It is, you know, it, there's something uh, like nine-year-oldish about that, you know, <laughs> totally. right? When we want to vent, it's like, oh, what a bummer. Oh, yeah. shucks. Yeah. You know, there's just uh, that part of us that needs to be held. I think it's that part of us that just doesn't want to be alone mm. in the hardness of something. Yeah, right. And the suckiness of it all. Yeah. 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 Just just have my back for this one. Just Or just, you know, sit with me. It's it's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you you could, you know, sit on a stoop and you could just talk about anything mm -hmm. and it was no judgment. You just talked about, you could talk for hours. And I think that was the joy of our childhood where you could have these three hour, I don't know if you had these three hour phone conversations, right? Yes. And, yes. and half the time you're not even, even really talking. You're just like watching TV together, doing whatever. Um, and, and I think that we were able to do that because we weren't judging each other. We were just listening and we were more comfortable in a, in a silence then than we are as adults now, which is strange. Right. There was no pressure to be any certain way. We could just be. Yeah. And it's, and the more work that we have, the more demands that we have family, you know, occupation, there's not a lot of space for us to, or at least it feels like there's less and less space for us to be. Even if you're on social media, which is supposed to be fun, there's like a branding or image or is my lighting okay? You know, that kind right. of thing, right? It's like we become more performative. Completely. And so in those moments when you can just someone asks you how you're doing and you can be honest and they can just be with you and let you be you in that moment. I mean, that's to me, that's magical. In a relationship when people say I need space and, mm -hmm. and not in a, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking up with you kind of, I need space, but just, yeah. I need space. 
is it different between when a man says it versus a woman? Are they are they or are they saying the same things? I don't know. I think that's. I don't know if that's fair to to gender it or I mean it comes so much from our upbringing and our experience. I think ultimately, though, what that what that might mean for everyone is just that we're flooded, and we need to create some room in our own mind. And different people approach taking that space in different ways, and maybe men do that differently from women. But I think ultimately it just means that we're that we're flooded. And we gotta go to Disneyland. Yes. <laughs> is that something you grew up with? Is that something your parents it is. took you to? Okay. Yeah. So for me, I'm an LA native and um my parents, I grew up going there. And now that both my parents have passed away, it's almost in a way like a connection to them as well. Yeah. Do you find yourself talking to them while you're there? I do. And I get like signs from them when I'm there. Signs and like Mickey Mouse is whispering something to you or what? No, like, um, like numbers or I'll see angels or, uh, like they're little animals that remind me of my parents. Um, just, you know, they, we have little communication signs that we have with each other and I see them there all the time. It's kind of, it's pretty wild. Well, oh, that makes sense. If it was a place you frequented with your parents yeah. and, uh, you know, you have memories now associated. Is there a, your a favorite movie that you watch with them? A no, favorite Disney I, movie? It wasn't really about the movies. It was more just, it was about the place. Wow. Are you, a, are you, a, a, what was that candy? What is that? Cotton candy kind of girl? What's your snack? <laughs> you were talking about snacks earlier. I, I can see, I can see you walking around with sticky fingers. I do not like sticky fingers, <laughs> but you know, some sort of chocolate covered marshmallow thing is always good. <laughs> Oh, marshmallows. Oh, I need a crunch. Yeah. The, the, it's oh, you so, need a crunch? Yeah, yeah. I need a crunch. I need a crunch. I need, I, I like both. There's, a, you know, some mood thing. You, you like the gooey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I was never into it because of the, the gooey. Well, you know, you <laughs> are into um, the neuroemotional technique uh, is one of the techniques yeah. that you employ. Is there a part mm -hmm. of that neuroemotional technique that we haven't discussed? that could help people, you know, process their emotions? I mean, I think that's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's so simple. It is about identifying emotions, talking through it, finding some awareness, and then breathing as a way to turn down the volume of that emotion. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple and straightforward and, uh, you know, big and magical when it happens. That, you you know, I do cold showers mm -hmm. and, I, you know, I was Googling how long should I do a cold shower for? And the, and the, uh, I talked to a guy who's a practice. This is why you can't Google things. This is why we really have to get back to talking to people mm -hmm. instead of thinking we just jump on the internet to find all the answers. And he said to me, 
stay in the cold shower until your breathing becomes calm. He said, if you hop in a cold shower and then you jump out while you're still, (laughs) then you're going to associate the cold shower with tension. Right. With a stressful experience. With a stressful experience. And you'll never get out. And, and so when we're talking about this neuroemotional technique or tapping or breath work, what it sounds like fundamentally what we're saying is, you know, be aware of the emotion, the experience, bring that up and change our physiological response to it so it doesn't feel stressful to the body. And I, and I think that's why sometimes uh, going for a run well, let me think about that. I would think of going for a run or working out in response to trying to cope with the psychological stress would actually increase it or embed it more because you're still spiking your heart rate, right? On a physiological yeah. level, there's still the quick breathing. There's the, you're speeding up your heart rate. Um, and you're still having the thoughts. And yeah, you, you know, you could run long enough to where you come back calm. Uh, but initially there's a, a spike there. There's an additional spike to the stress that your body is already in. I could see your eyes and I'm just, I'm talking out loud. Um, yeah, as I'm, thinking, po- th- I'm thinking through it. So as opposed to, and here's the other side of it, as opposed to stressful event. I do a calming exercise like playing catch with a friend or shooting free throws with my brother or or my father or something and then talking through what's happening. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking, I'm thinking out loud here. It's an interesting question because I think both are useful and it might depend on the person or what they're going through because I do find value sometimes and maybe it depends on the specific type of emotion. I don't know. Um, But if like, let's say I'm frustrated at something going for a walk or a run helps. And I think there's something about every emotion is like a certain, like the energy moves a certain way in our body. And sometimes that energy just needs to come out. And if you're creating movement in the body, it gives it a way to release. Um, But maybe there are other emotions where maybe that wouldn't be the best response. Maybe then going quiet and meditating or, you know, being gentle on oneself is actually more healing in that moment. Yeah, that that that's interesting. That's something I definitely would want to look more into because I, I do remember, you know, I was got into an argument with an ex, and then I took a kickboxing class, and I felt great afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I I think that looking back, although I felt better and calmer, and was like, oh, that was stupid what we argued over. I think the piece that was missing was then to go back and be able to process it with her. Right. Right. It's like, yes, I feel better, but the relationship, that doesn't mean the relationship is better. I'm better. Right. And it doesn't mean that you won't get triggered the next time something similar happens. Right. 
Right. So there is like an acute relief that we can feel from something like that, but it doesn't mean that it's creating the permanent healing or change that happens when we, um, you know, do the processing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that would make sense why, you know, on some level meditation is such a beautiful thing because Mm -hmm. yeah, initially trying to sit with yourself is going to be like hopping into a cold shower, which I think people don't realize that like both of those are going to be, or can be, um, quite a, a shock to the system. Right. But if we sit with it long enough, then we can move that emotion and, and recognize that I don't have to be afraid of this emotion. It doesn't have to, I don't have to be reactive to it. Right. Right. It can actually just be there and it's okay that it's there. Yes. Yes. Um, Carmen, is there anything in terms of being stuck, dealing with stress, moving forward? Um, that we haven't discussed because and I guess the part of moving forward, I would imagine mm-hmm. that there's once you've identified the emotion and where it is in your body and now you're at peace with it, that taking action part seems like a whole other uh treatment modality now. Now we brought you to neutral, right? Yes. You were in fight, flight, or freeze. We've mm-hmm. gotten you to neutral. And now moving you forward. What does that, what does that entail? Now that we got your breathing good. Well, now you're open to a whole slew of possibilities. Um, That's where creativity comes in. And then from that new standpoint, you can ask yourself, well, what do I want? You're going through, you know, you're in a job that's frustrating. You keep getting triggered every day. And then you clear the emotion, you get to neutral, then you can ask yourself, what do I want? Is this job really what I want? Is there something else that I want to start moving towards? Like that's where clarity happens and where you get to start creating your life. Right. I love that. Yeah, we were were recovering. We had to recover first. From the right. the uh, acute from the stressor, get to neutral, and then moving forward. Yeah, because there's no one size fits all in terms of what moving forward looks like for you. Absolutely right? not. And when we are in a state of stress, like using the job example, and we make choices from that place, if we haven't cleared it. Or it might be like how you end up in the same relationship, like with a different face, but it feels like the same pattern over and over again. That happens when we haven't actually healed the pattern or healed the emotion. And we make decisions from that stress-based place instead of the neutral place. Mm, I love it. I love it. Um, Where can people work with you, Carmen? Um, ooh, I have a little membership club where we get in touch with our intuition. It's called the Casual Coven. People can work with me one-on-one to uh, really get in touch with their intuition. 
And you can find me on Instagram at Carmen Margazi, M-A-R-G-A-Z-I, or at CarmenMargazi.com. What are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? Ooh, in the next 24 hours? Yeah. Oh, such a good question. Um, oh, I'm hanging out with my boo-boo when he gets home. My little, my 10-year-old. We're going to hang out, have some fun. I love it. Thank you, Carmen, for being <laughs> here. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling to get help. Call the 988 or any of the 800 numbers mm-hmm. listed in all the show notes. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you, Leo. Talk to you.